You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Hey all, Michael here. Thanks so much for tuning in. With me is Scott O'Donohoe. That's me. Hey Scott. Hey. Hey Michael. Uh, this is session three of the Indivisible class um, recap. And so uh, today we are recapping session three, which was essentially kind of framed around how should we think about politics. Easy, but, easy. But before you give the answer, <laughs> uh, let's do a little kind of recap. Um, I came into the class a little late, but I think I got there just as you were beginning to set stuff up. Uh, you started off... Do you want to give a summary on how we got here or not? Uh, no, that's okay. okay. You go back and listen to the first two episodes if you haven't heard stuff thus far. Excellent. So uh, you started off with an example of your family and schoolwork. Yeah. And you said, show your work. Yeah. What did that have to do with anything? Because <laughs> uh, the question of the day or the week was, how should we think about politics? Not uh, what do we think or what should we think about politics, but... How, how should we arrive, rather, at what we think? And so uh, it's all about the process of getting there. And so we've been, uh, this year, homeschooling kids. Uh, and by we, I mean largely my wife, <laughs> Kelly, has been homeschooling hey, kids. Um, and so, uh, yeah, and just one of the things we've run into uh, is yeah, just, just the challenge of getting our kids to show their work, uh, you know, when it comes to math or whatever, and the importance of that. Um, because when there's seemingly a... a, a uh, disparity between what the right answer is uh, and what they put down, or even when they arrive at the right answer, we don't always know how they got there, if they got there the right way, uh, if they really understand the core concept of what they're supposed to be doing, or if they were just kind of copying what they were uh, seeing in the examples or whatever. And so uh, it's tough to help and come alongside and uh, know that they're getting it um, and aiming for the right thing when we can't see their work. And similarly, that's um, honestly just the work of discipleship in general. It's not regurgitating, you know, like doctrinal positions. It's not memorizing a catechism or just Bible verses. It's not, uh, you know, holding to particular political uh, positions or persuasions um, in some way, shape, or form. It's it's a way of life. Discipleship is a way of life that we get to uh, learn and spend all of our life learning, um, inheriting, and then passing on or whatever. And so, yeah, the process of how we arrive at what we think and what we believe, um, that is, um, I think, actually more important uh, than where we actually land. Because if, if you get the process right, <laughs> you're going to land somewhere in the right ballpark. Um, and it, the, the process is, uh, man, where we also get to worship and honor God and all those things too. So we'll come back there later. <clears throat> Sweet. So show your work is building out uh, kind of uh, how we got to where we are. Yeah, exactly. So you uh, encouraged us uh, to kind of do a little uh, a little exercise, and mm-hmm. I believe you said something along the lines of consider how you learned th- to think about politics. Yeah. And so kind of two questions. Why did you start with that exercise? Yeah. And uh, what were some of the responses? Yeah. Uh, started there because... Um, Again, we're we're asking, you know, talking about the the process of how we think about politics. Well, like, it's not like any of us showed up into the room as <laughs> like a blank slate, uh, having never thought about politics before. Please tell me. Uh, we all show up there with like with probably conclusions on where we land on things, um, and that's all of us, and, and myself included. And 
Uh, I don't know that we always are aware. While we're maybe aware of what we think about politics, we're not always aware of how we arrived at those conclusions. Um, and so I think it's just really important as we're assessing and evaluating, man, how we should think about politics to, to allow ourselves to sit and think about, man, why do I think uh, the way that I think about politics? Like, was that from my family? Was that from school? Was that from, you know, like the particular uh, news station I want? Like, what, how have I arrived at these conclusions? That stuff matters. So I want to give people space to just think about that because this is a, it, well, it's a class. Like I want people to personally engage with it as well. So that's answering your first question. The second, uh, yeah, I mean, some folks, um, you know, like not, not even really giving politics a thought until they met a, a special someone who would later become like <laughs> their significant other for life. Um, we who, want names. Who, we want <laughs> who was like who who really was like invested in politics, and so uh, they're like, well, gosh, like I guess like I should probably look into this too, so I could interact and uh, have something to chat about or whatever. And so uh, that was one person's story. Somebody else, um, it was when they got to when they got to school, uh, college, uh, taking classes and all those things, and just kind of learning about the ways that um, not even in theory, but just how specific policies have genuinely impacted uh, different populations and people groups uh, in our country. And so, um, you know, that was one perspective, uh, one person's perspective and how they kind of came to care about politics and how they thought about it. Um, yeah, I mean, you shared some stuff and I mean, yeah. Can I talk um, about what I yeah, said? Yeah, yeah, go for it. So, um, so funny, I was thinking about this. Uh, Scott and I joke around and I always say, I, I didn't come from anywhere. Um, my childhood had no bearing on <laughs> virgin birth. <laughs> the way I I live and think and consider and feel and all those things, and we know that's not true. But uh, I would say, oh gosh, I had a neutral, you know, a neutral childhood. <laughs> a neutral childhood. Uh, and for the record, there's no such thing. But um, what I said in the class was like, man, essentially what I was saying was like, oh, I'm cynical and I, I don't trust stuff or whatever. And what I like thought of today is like. That's not really true. And I, I was thinking about that, like, man, I'm not, like, an incredibly negative. And so I was like, what What did I mean? You know what I mean? I'm thinking, yeah. like, well, why did I say that? And so I remember in college, I was in a uh, sociology class with Josh Short. Hmm. And it was at Miami University. And we, it was, like, a 25-page paper we had to write and research and whatever. And what I researched was, like, basically the effect that um, – I, I used several examples like what make of car you prefer, hmm. right? Um, political affiliation, something else. And like uh, the, I went into a school and asked, you know, 100 people these questions or whatever it was. And it was like, what do your parents prefer and what do you prefer? Hmm. And so it was like, now one, why did I choose that? Yeah. Well, that like feeds into it. Yeah. But just thinking like it's not cynical and, and kind of led me to like, I think it's filtered. Mm -hmm. It's filtered more than cynical, which yeah. gets to maybe the end of where we'll conclude a little bit more sure. today. And so, yeah, I just thought that was interesting, like <laughs> thinking about ah, how I got here. I said cynical. That's probably not as precise <laughs> as it could have been. So I don't know. Yeah, no, that's good. It was super cool um, hearing from people and thinking about where they got. So, yeah. So uh, how should we think about politics? Yeah, so I think the cool thing in in everyone's responses, uh, you take them all together or whatever, and everyone uh, at some point hit on uh, a few things collectively. And, and one was thinking about politics um, uh, in a biblical way, right? And so some folks talked about how, man, like hoping that the Lord is the one who's shaping what I believe politically. Um, wanting to be informed 
Uh, so, you know, just what's going on in the world around me, like dialed into what's actually happening and what's the state of things and all that stuff. And also just being self-aware of our specific experiences that maybe we've had or things we've learned or seen or whatever that, uh, not other people have. So we get to be aware of, you know, whether we were raised in a neutral, uh, <laughs> child, you, you don't have to do that because, you know, just blank slate, completely objective living in a vacuum, but the rest of That's us, me. the rest of us That's need me. to be self-aware. Uh, about, yeah, just our, our personal uh, bias or leanings or whatever um, as it relates to, yeah, our experiences. So, yeah, in a nutshell, we could kind of look at what people said and kind of categorize those things, um, you know, in three ways. So Sweet. So the three ways were? Biblically, biblical, informed, and, uh, and self-aware. Yeah, beautiful. that's how we should think about it. So those things lead us kind of, I mean, they can lead us all over the place depending mm-hmm. on how we process it. it you know, any of those things. And so you right. had some uh, beautiful mind type drawing <laughs> on the whiteboard. Um, it seemed crystal clear to him, but no, it was, it was good. I, I really appreciated that. But you hit on, it was kind of a, a funnel or an mm-hmm. umbrella and this thing went all over the place, but there were kind of three, uh, maybe filters yes, that yeah. helped us like lean in there. Do you want to talk about that in the best way? Yeah. Since they don't have visuals, well, sure. What do yeah, you got? I mean, even thinking about thinking about politics, uh, being biblical, informed, and self-aware, um, all of those things are important, uh, and they all kind of overlap in some way with each other. But we would say, surely, that being biblical is like the first place that we start as Christians. Uh, that's where we should start. And so, the the, the three tiers that I have is uh, we start with what's authoritative, which for us would be the scriptures. Um, man, then we take a look around and we look at what's subjective, right? And so, uh, and again, this is ideal. This is, you know, simplified very much. Uh, so we looked at what's objective and okay, well, what is the state of the world around us and all the facts, all the information, stuff that anybody from any persuasion can look at and agree upon. Um, this is the state of things. And then thirdly, what's subjective, right? Again, our family background, our experiences, um, where we grew up, uh, socioeconomic stuff, demographics, all those things, even like our our philosophy of government, big government, little government, you know, all those things that uh, really can't pinpoint that or whatever, anything objective or even authoritative. So for us, that's the that's kind of what I, I spelled out for folks was there's an authoritative filter, the scriptures, where, man, we, we get to uh, seek out and submit to all of the Bible, um, you know, every piece of it because it's all God's word. Um, and, and so like that becomes our authority. That is nothing that we think underneath that or anything else can contradict that in any way, shape, or form. And then what's objective, all right? Because we look at the scriptures and say, how has God, uh, you know, we, we talked the last couple of weeks about God having this vision for humanity, um, whether it's, uh, you know, comprised of what's true, what's good, morals, justice, you know, personhood, all these things, like God has a vision for humanity. Um, and he paints that out for us in the scriptures, and he also uh, tries to move the needle um, for the people that he's called out of the world, uh, Israel, and then certainly the church, to move the needle on, man, that vision for humanity through his people. And so we have to do some digging and some work to figure out what that looked like for them, and what needle was God trying to move, and how that play out um, for him to, to try to increase that vision uh, that he has for humanity playing out in his people. And so we get to kind of draw out some of those principles, those morals, that stuff, bring it to bear on today. That's where the objective layer comes in. We look around, okay, like how do we move the needle? Like where does the needle need to be moved here? Um, In our neighborhood, our community, our country. 
Um, and so we get to bring those biblical principles to then bear on the world around us. And then, man, in a subjective way, uh, we get to take a look at how we've seen some of those policies maybe play out in our life. How, how would this affect my neighbors? How have I experienced that? Um, my family, like, man, how did my family perceive the world and how did that shape me uh, in some way, shape or form? And those are all, I know subjectivity can often kind of like be looked at with cynicism or skepticism and that's not always a bad thing, but um, man, it's, it's honestly where we get to see like policy played out in real life and how does it affect people? How do people perceive it? Uh, all those things. And then when you take it collectively, um, and, and we say, hey, my experience is just as valid as your experience and all that stuff. Then we get a collective picture of how people see stuff. And so, man, that's, that's important to talk about those things and have a, um, yeah, open dialogue, I think, about politics. So all those things should ultimately be the way, I think, and ideally, uh, an ideal way that we think about politics. <clears throat> that's good. I wish people could see your hand gestures. So <laughs> it makes it crystal clear. Just, so, just look at what I'm doing with my hand. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The reason why subjective, you know, can have a negative connotation if you start there, when you're building out stuff, then it becomes. So right. that, that's why the order is very important. It is very important. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, and then I think also like when you look at culturally and some of the issues that we have, it's it's the erosion of objective. At one point, everyone would agree that, yeah, you know, this is true and this is not true. But now it's like, man. Yeah. We're not even agreeing on the most fundamental things yeah. that you think are, are human. And then, then the authority piece, well, what is authoritative? And then you look at how do we interpret the scriptures? And so, right. like, Which is where, you know, that, that filter, that umbrella is ideal, right? That's the way it should play out. And, and, you know, it can play out that way. But, like, people will interpret things differently on all three of those <laughs> Yeah. On all three of those levels. Which yeah. is why it's really important to understand your bias and understand that you're not neutral. Sure. Like, yeah. I am. <laughs> I'm not neutral, guys. Um, so so you talked about this concept of moral math, which yeah. I thought was uh, probably the most, uh, maybe the most helpful. It was really helpful. Um, kind of just because it just shines light on like, oh, what we're doing. Yes. Yeah. So you talked about this concept of moral math, which they don't yet know if they're listening to this. What did you mean by that? And how does it bring about uh, confusion and, and maybe clarity when we think about this stuff? Yeah, so um, again, like that, that rubric or umbrella effect like being an ideal scenario, like what, what pops out of that at the end? Like if you go through that whole process and that's the way you think about politics, what pops out of that uh, individually is, man, your, your conscience and your convictions, like what you think about things politically um, and your conscience, what is right and wrong in general, or maybe in this particular situation, or in this particular conversation or circumstance, and so that's how we're formed. Um, and then as a community, like we we take a look at, um, you know, if if that happens to every individual in a community, there should be some like varied expression of moral consensus, right? Uh, and so there should be, hey, like there are these moral bounds that if we're looking at things. Uh, at the authority of scripture and at what's true uh, objectively, man, there should be some clear fences around what's good and right and bad and wrong politically. Some beliefs that the church, the God's people kind of hold to uh, by and large. But then that subjective piece and things even being objectively uh, true but different from community to community uh, means that there's going to be some varied expressions in the way that plays out. Um, what you get when you go through that process with your conscience and your convictions 
Um, a, a, a person or a community does not produce the perfect moral candidate, right? Like there is no candidate, there's no, uh, all of the things that you care about uh, issue-wise or policy-wise, they're not on the ballot. Um, and so really what you end up having to do is like figuring out, okay, like based on my conscience, um, what is uh, the, the best way to vote here? Or what's the best thing to support? Who's the best candidate to throw my vote behind? Um, and, and we end up doing this kind of moral math. And there's lots of ways of doing that. You know, you, you take your conscience and you like, I think you, when we were talking about earlier, like uh, thinking about like a scorecard that just, you know, spits out. Uh, it's your conscience or whatever. And we run this scorecard uh, through all the different candidates. And, and the way that we actually tally up the numbers or score it is different from person to person. So um, one person might just want to vote for uh, the person who aligns with them on the most issues, right? And so, ah, this candidate A, man, they, they ticked more boxes than candidate B on what I care about and what I align with. So I'm just going to vote for candidate A. Um, so like so pros and cons and you add them up yeah, and pr pros go. and cons like simple addition right yeah. um, another might be uh, if you're a, a single issue voter or um, if there are just make or break issues for you then those would be like multipliers so if uh, man if someone gets a one in that category they tick that box then like oh they're good but but if they don't tick that box and that's a zero then it does not matter like how many points they get or how much you align with them on all the other issues uh, if they don't get that one, then it's a no-go for you. Like it zeroes everything out. Um, for other folks, there's you know we 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 weight issues differently, and so there's a rubric, a, a weighting system for all that stuff. Uh, some of us might uh, might really care about uh, a person more than the policy, and so we don't just look at do they align with us on uh, on policy matters or platform matters, but as a person, like you're weighing their character as well. Um, because hey, you want to make like this person has authority and power, and so uh, you want to make sure if they've got the button, you know, underneath their desk in the office, then like man, that you can trust that they're gonna have a cool level head uh, about things or whatever, and lots of other issues. And so um, that's another way of looking at stuff, or even uh, just trying to be like, just think about who is going to move the needle most on a particular issue. So um, it's it's. I, not idealistic, but it's like pragmatic. So I might align with a particular party or a candidate or whatever um, on more issues, but if I don't think they're actually going to accomplish very much or move the needle on anything, then I might actually be more inclined to vote for a, a different party or candidate um, that might move the needle on something else that I actually care about. Um, so there are very different ways of, of going about doing uh, all of that sort of moral math. Um, I think it's just helpful uh, to, to kind of lay all those things out there because the scriptures uh, kind of point us in different directions, right? Like it, like all of those issues certainly matter, and yet um, at the end of the day, all those issues that might be on the ballot, like they're not going to be weighted the same. Um, I would I would say that uh, you know matters of personhood, racism, abortion, all those things, like those are probably a little more important than you know like city ordinances on building codes and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So like not every issue is weighted the same. So for those of us who just want to add up stuff, um, man, like we, pr we probably shouldn't weight every issue the same way. At the same time, like God's holiness demands that he not like just simply be a, a one issue guy, uh, one issue God. Like he cares about every single issue. Uh, and so we can't simply ignore all the other things because we have this one that we feel the most strongly about. Um, 
from a, a pragmatic side, like, man, it, I'm an idealist uh, personally. Like I, I love living in the clouds uh, and all that stuff. And so I don't want to compromise my ideals. But if I'm unwilling to, to do anything, to take any sort of action, to vote for anything that might move the needle um, in any sense of direction, I'm willing to watch the world burn so I can hang on to my ideals. That's not helpful. But then being like embracing pragmatism, <laughs> also like, you know, man, how far are you going to go with that before you compromise on, on what you really do believe, you know? And so there's, there's, there's tensions and all that stuff, even, even the person versus the policy. Uh, I mean, Scripture speaks to character uh, of leaders um, over and above oftentimes the, the competency or what that person does. But what a person does also matters at the same time. And so it's like yeah, there's all these tensions and weightiness that we could all go to the scriptures and say, hey, like, look, <laughs> the way I think about it, it's right. And well, yeah, but, you know, dot, dot, dot. And so there's just all that, all that tension and complexity in the way that we approach it. And Yeah, the way that you think about it is right. Absolutely. Based on what rubric. That's, right. that's what the moral math Right. Gets to. And so I love that, like the idea of addition or single issue. And you guys can fill in the blanks on all those. You hit on a couple of those. But yeah, person versus policy, which is a very real thing. That's a difficult thing. For me, I, I would say in the, um, I don't think I said this on one of these podcasts, but in the uh, debates, I, I want them to talk about their uh, Enneagram types and how they, <laughs> how they get things done. And so yeah. it's like, yeah, you can be an idealist, but... How do you get things done? How do you get people in a room? What does that look like? Yeah. Um, of course, they're never going to talk about that. But, uh, that. That's what I want if I had it my way. <laughs> well, as a, as a neutral party, I'm sure it would be the best way. Show me how you would organize the government. Yeah, yeah. Like, honestly, that's what I want to see. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't know why they don't do what, <clears throat> what I want. Um, super helpful. And if you didn't catch all that, I know that was a decently lengthy monologue yeah, that yeah. Scott just... Um, I'm good at this. Threw in here, um, <laughs> a spinoff, if you will. Um, man, go back and listen to that because it's it's really helpful. And, and here's why: it's not just helpful for you to see, like, oh, that's why I think what I think. But that's why other people think what they think. Right. That's the beauty of that, like, way of thinking is like, people draw conclusions, and you might both be right mm-hmm. because you're not using the same scorecard. That's the thing. And that that is where you know, uh, yeah, the product of that. Is is certainly that you're going to land somewhere politically. You're gonna you're gonna vote for a candidate or an issue or whatever. So that is a product of going through all that stuff. Uh, one person um, this is in the notes, but one person did straight up ask, like, you know, hey, like, should Christians vote, or or is it okay, okay. for Christians not to vote? Um, you know, should we land somewhere? Does this mean that we have to vote for someone or something? Which I thought was a good question, um, and you may have the same thing, the same question, and. You know, my response was, uh, I don't view voting as an obligation for Christians, but it is certainly an opportunity that we do have to to be considerate, to think through stuff, and to to influence. You know, the way that our world locally, statewide, nationwide looks and how it's led. Um, so it is an opportunity, a unique opportunity that folks in the scriptures certainly didn't have. Um, and also, like I cannot. I cannot tell someone to violate their conscience because if someone does all that moral math and they land somewhere where it's like, dude, I can't vote for any of these people, right? Or any of these things or whatever, like, then for me uh, to ask someone to, to violate their conscience to say that they have to vote in order to be a Christian, then like, man, I'm, I'm asking them to sin, right? Or if, if they choose not to, which they shouldn't listen to me, right? Uh, but if they choose not to do that, then I may be like heaping guilt and despair and shame on them. Which is not, that's not good either. So um, that, that's like, if you have that question, that's, 
how I responded to that in the moment. Um, but man, it, it should lead us when we go through that process, not just to landing somewhere on a, a candidate or a policy, but it's going to produce, we should expect maybe some discomfort in who we vote for, like personally in our conscience, like, or the policies that we vote for, because there's nothing that should, is going to be perfect. Again, like our conscience doesn't manifest itself in a person that we get to vote for. You're voting for someone that probably doesn't align in some way. So just know that that's like, that's part of it. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's going to happen. And also it's going to manifest itself in some disagreements, uh, charitable disagreements within that community that has moral consensus. Uh, man, I, I really wish that you would vote for that or I, I see things differently or whatever, but you know, like that's going to happen because there's varied expression of moral consensus. And so, um, those are things that we should expect, you know, as we go through that process, you know? Yeah. Like you, you had said, I think it was this week that, uh, I think you quoted Doug Wilson, every nation is a theocracy or something. Uh, last week it was, yeah. Christian, every Christian is a uh, monarchist. Oh yeah. 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 I heard him say something else this week and he said basically every nation is a theocracy he said the question is who's theo yeah <laughs> which is like i mean that's a real thing i i did not get to go into this i would love to at some point but just the idea that that our laws like our legal system it's based on some morality like and it's you you really can't tease out what you think is good and right from a christian perspective from what you think is good and right for the country or for your state or for your community. And that, that's a whole other thing. But God gets to decide what, if his vision for humanity is his vision for humanity in terms of what's true, good, just, unjust, all those things. And like, gosh, it, like, and, I, and I feel that because I, I feel tension around that. And my wife, Kelly and I, like we've had lots of conversations over various issues on like, gosh, but we live in a, we live in a secular, you know, whatever. <laughs> where like, so how can I impose my thing? But look, if I, if I think this is good and right based on what, God has declared, not me, based on what the Lord has said, then how can I then say that this is good and okay, like for my, my neighbor or my brother and sister, when that's not what God has said? You know what I mean? Like, that's a, that's I mean, a whole other thing. But. It is another thing, but I, I, can we, I mean, I think well, sure. I, I want to talk about it for a second. So, <laughs> one to the must Christians vote kind of was the, the question. Um, yeah, you, like, there was no uh, electoral college yeah. at the time of Jesus. Yes. Right? Yeah. That's pretty important. Like when you start dictating and demanding, but gosh, we shouldn't be, uh, we shouldn't be ignorant and we shouldn't be, uh, yeah, disengaged in ways that are that are unhelpful. But I, I just want to paint out what you're saying, and if you've not gotten to this level of thought, it's like a good thought experiment. Like no. yeah. for me, and I, I won't even declare whatever, but like the idea of immigration, mm -hmm. when that was, I mean, not that it's not a big deal, but like it was a hot hotbed for you yeah. know, probably a year ago. And you had Christians saying, you know, come to me, all are weary. And so, okay, yeah, Jesus wants <laughs> the weary to come to him. We, we yeah. understand. And then like, so, so are you drawing the conclusion then that, that the United States should not have a border? Right. Like literally no no border. Right. Like, and I'm not saying that that's the only conclusion. Yeah. But if you, if you go the complete other way and say, well, Jesus said anyone, anyone who comes to me can come to me. So the United States, the policy on immigration should, should be that there's no border. Right. Then, like, the trouble with that is, like, that you don't have a country. <laughs> like, if right. you say, well, yeah. we're not even drawing a line saying, well, who gets tax? We're, sure, yeah. We're literally, we don't even have, like... Chase that down a little bit and just think about what that means. That's just limited resources and all those things. Yeah, that's a real thing. Yeah, Absolutely. so I mean, th that is just, that's where if you ask enough questions, you get to these like, huh. 
Yeah. So then you start asking the question, what is the role of government? Right. And and then that's when you get begin to say, okay, well now what am I voting for? Because right. God is He's on a throne. He's on the throne, but He's not living in the White House. And so yeah. where, what do I do? And, and that's that's huge. I mean, we could look at yeah Romans twelve, Romans thirteen, and well, like the only role of government should be the sword, right? <laughs> which is like, I mean, which in that particular context, it was more like the police. It wasn't military. It wasn't whatever because it was inward focused bringing uh, morality and order and stuff inwardly. So we're talking Can, about police and courts. Com- and, completely irrelevant to today. Oh, right, yeah. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so that is that. That is like, you know, Paul and Romans, like that's kind of the big thing that's, you know, if you do good, well, then you don't have anything to worry about, right? <laughs> if you do bad, then you, then you do, right? All those things. And he's talking about the Roman Empire that killed Jesus and is trying to kill him, you know, like, so all that to say, uh, man, we, we don't, even the most conservative of us, like we don't have that. We have a bigger scope of what government is than than even uh, the Christians at, at that point in time did. Um, uh, and I forget where I was going with that. Where was I going with that? Somewhere. Romans thirteen. Um, uh, oh, scope of government. Yeah. So um, someone else brought up a question. I forget what it was, but it, it led to uh, to me being able to clarify that like it doesn't matter like whether you have a a huge, big scope of government uh, or a, a limited scope of government. Um, what we read about in the scriptures, God's vision for humanity, what he calls his people to, that is for the church. And so, like, we can't we can't uh, say that, oh, the government should live like the church and advance the church's mission. We do get to say, this is right, this is wrong, this is true, this is false, this is just, this is unjust. We Like as Christians, we get to bring those things to bear on government, especially in a democracy where we get to vote and all those things. But um, but man, like just because we have these things doesn't mean we get to assume the government's going to do them. They are first and foremost for the church. But we do, with our influence, we do get to steward that and hope that we get to influence government in a way that, that does lead to that. You might, yeah, and, and you might disagree. Good Christians might disagree on like how that should play out because of your view of how limited government should be or not, right? But that's the human flourishing piece. Yes. Gosh, we should vote for those that allow humans to flourish. Mm-hmm. Oh, but then how do you define that? Right. What <laughs> strategies do we take to do that? <laughs> right. You know, like we might all agree on what that means theoretically, but in terms of the strategies to get there and which ones are, which issues right now are more important than others and which one, all that stuff is the stuff that's... And you'll tell us the answers to all those. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah, come back next week. I'll tell you all the answers. <laughs> we'll do this again next week. I'll ask you for those answers. Um, so why does it feel like there's such discord then among Christians in the way that we think about politics? Yeah, because we, we go up the chain backwards. So we start many, and I, I say we, and I'm, I'm including myself in that as well. Like it's, it's easy for us to start. We, we think that we're starting with the scriptures and then working down, yeah, objective, this is what's true, this are, these are facts, and then ah, my experiences, yeah, these are my experiences, and this is limited... You know, we think that we go there, but we actually start with really, in large part, what we already think is true. <laughs> so uh, we we lots of times start with this party, um, with this candidate, uh, with this policy position. Um, that 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 is true. That's where we need to land. So we start there, uh, and then we end up doing all of the moral math uh, backwards. So so we basically say this has to be the answer that's produced. Uh, and so it makes us almost fudge the numbers in a way that lets us get to that place. So uh, to, to play that out, we end up like um, individually, like where are, there's some discomfort 
uh, in us because of our conscience and convictions. Like we end up feeling guilt and shame and despair or whatever because we think that as a Christian we should be voting for this guy or this guy shouldn't be voting for this person, but I feel like I need to. I've had conversations with people on both sides um, of the political spectrum saying that. Uh, or in communities, it's not just a, a disagreement that we have, but it's like divisiveness because we we fail to give each other the benefit of the doubt and say, no, like we, we do agree on this moral consensus. We just say, well, if you don't buy into my strategy or the the person that I prefer, then you can't, you know, there's no way you can agree with me on those things. So divisiveness rules and reigns. And we'll actually talk about that this coming week uh, a lot. Um, and, and so we, we move up the, the chain with these kind of preconceived, uh, already predetermined answers, do the math wrong, which leads us to like then normalize our experience. So what's subjective for us, we say, oh, like, well, m- my experience is normative. Uh, my family was right. Uh, my whatever is the way that it should be. And you look at other people's experiences and you say, and you invalidate the way they've interpreted those experiences. So what, hey, I know you live this life, but but you believe you know X, Y, and Z is the cause for you uh, feeling this or experiencing this, when in reality, it's really you know this instead. My experience trumps yours. Uh, we go to what's objective and we say, well, yeah, we, we, of course I listen to Fox News. You know, because CNN's just a bunch of liars. Like, it's not that I'm biased. Um, it's that they just don't ever tell the truth. Uh, or flip-flop it and say, I only listen to CNN, you know, because Fox News is just spun all the way to the right. Uh, and so, man, like, it's not that I'm biased in my way. I'm not leaning left. It's that I, I just, man, I just can't listen to that news source because they're biased. And so we, in our heads, think, well, no, we're just, arbit- we're, we're the, the bastion of truth. <laughs> and we're, like, holding the truth thing. But we actually don't, like we, we cut out a whole swath of other information or perspectives. I mean, you look at CNN and Fox News' website and it's like they're reporting on two entirely different worlds, right? This um, is the first I've heard of it. I know, right? It's mind-blowing. Go on. So, so, we, so we like look out and search out facts and we only receive information from the sources that we, again, have predetermined lead us to a particular place. Um, and then that leads us... To, to what's authoritative in the scriptures. And we end up just ignoring whole swaths of, of the Bible. Uh, we pit verses against each other or we, we become disillusioned and say, like when we finally read something that might hit us that, uh, that, that causes some friction between the way that we see the world and what we think uh, should happen here um, and what God has seemingly said, like we, man, we either don't know what to do with that and we'd say, well, well certainly my, my God wouldn't be this way or wouldn't call, call me to do this or uh, wouldn't believe this or whatever. Or we make this weird distinction of sacred and secular and we say, well, like that God stuff is over here and he can speak to like these other things and other parts of my life maybe, but politics is mine, right? And, and I get to be in charge of that. And so we, we end up working up the tree backwards lots of times. And that's where that divisiveness, that's where that despair, that guilt, that shame uh, ends up coming from, you know, within the church. I'll throw out a, a specific and a uh, debated cultural issue. Mm-hmm. I think I, yeah. So like gender and sexuality. Mm-hmm. To start backwards, you you have shared experience, shared relationships, shared feelings, shared whatever. Yeah. That that then allows you to build out the objective truths. Uh, I mean, for us, male, female, like w- whatever it is, sure. like these things that were once true now we're no longer true yeah. and then then you filter the scripture right so with that in mind and you say things like whatever you can take a hundred examples mm-hmm. culturally but then you say things like you're saying um yeah god wouldn't 
So if you're saying God wouldn't, then then you are the filter that's determining what is true when right. you read the scriptures. Right. Which I mean, gosh, if you've been around here, we we try to start with the scriptures, mm-hmm. um, and and remove that. But we know we're all guilty of doing that in some yeah. way. So like, uh, yeah, that's a really helpful danger. Um, what what filter comes first is really important. Absolutely. If you could open the scriptures completely blank slate, okay, well, this is what it says. Yeah. Then you build out, well, if that, that's what it says, then this is true. Then on the end of it, then you interpret, well, my experiences feel like this, but because of this and because these things are authoritative, then this is the real. We don't do right. that. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah I had heard something basically around free press or whatever, like in, in light of the dichotomy of news sources. Mm. Um, uh, basically, free press doesn't tell you what to think, although some would certainly debate that. Yeah. But they tell you what to think about, and that is yeah, like that's true too. a big difference. Yeah. Of, oh, okay. So like, yeah. May, maybe it is the same thing. Maybe it's different perspectives perspectives on the same story. Sure. But they are shining light in the particular area that forms what they yeah want what's most to important form for you yeah. absolutely for sure um so where did that leave the conversation is there any good news or did you leave everyone <laughs> no despair? i just left everyone despairing That's and great. ready for a fist fight next week so uh, no i think um leaving the conversation with man if we start with the scriptures if we start with the the authority piece that as christians we all ought to hold to and adhere to which is god as he's spoken through his word um Man, we don't just look to to the scriptures as okay, God, tell me what's right and tell me what's wrong. You know, like give me the law, tell me how it's supposed to be. Like the the thing that we see first and foremost as Christians is Christ, um, and an admission, even in going to the scriptures as our authority at all, is to say we don't have it all figured out. We don't know what it all is. Uh, we need help. We need grace. We need mercy. We need forgiveness. Uh, help us, God, to figure this stuff out and sort this out because you know your vision for humanity. We are the ones who botched it. And so when we go there first, we get Jesus, um, which, man, for for those of us who are feeling guilty or shameful or afraid or despairing in this year's election uh, with the choices they feel like they have to make, man, like, God knows what you're working with and what you're not working with in those things, uh, and, and he wants to help lead you and guide you uh, through that process and give you a clean conscience around picking someone that even if you're not comfortable with that, uh, man, you, you get to cast that vote or not cast your vote. Um, you get to do that with a, a clean conscience uh, because because Jesus covers all that you don't know. Uh, he knows all that you don't know, and he knows all the stuff you know that's probably wrong, you know? Uh, and, and he loves you and accepts you uh, in spite of those things. And same thing for our communities. We get to start with um, the benefit of the doubt, uh, the fact that we're not the Holy Spirit for each other, the fact that Jesus has welcomed us all into a, a community, a family, his family together, we get to start there uh, and not start with, well, like you don't agree with my predetermined conclusion of what's right or wrong. And so therefore we're divided. No, like we start with Jesus. Like he's the one who is at the center of all this stuff. He's the one who defines us individually and, and should define our community. Um, and so that ought to heal and bring some some uh, comfort to our relational wounds or divisions that might be in the church um, as well. And, and even as we're reading through... Uh, uh, Romans 14, which we've hit on uh, in some way, shape, or form, you know, every week. Uh, we read a bit of it this past week as well. And we see that the way they thought about things, um, they were thinking about things not just to arrive at the right answer. 
Um, but they were thinking about things, food, uh, what to eat or drink, days to celebrate, all that stuff. They weren't thinking about those things just to, to get at the right answer. They were uh, assuming that, that they were honoring the Lord and giving thanksgiving and doing those things. And so there is a way that we can think biblically, we can be informed, we can be self-aware uh, in the way we're thinking about politics and also not honor God. Um, to not give him thanksgiving, to not praise him like we ought to, that is how, by and large, at the end of the day, that, that's how we should think about politics, certainly with those three things, but in a way that honors God. Do you worship God uh, as you're thinking about politics? Are you giving him honor? Does, does looking at the candidates that are before you or the policies that are there, does it make you long for Jesus and for him to return? Um, does, it, uh, does, does it make you... Uh, honor him and praise him for his holiness and for the fact that his character is pristine and the way he leads that, again, the, the gates of hell aren't going to prevail against it. He's continually working within his church, uh, holding fast to his ideals, um, being pure and holy, and at the same time working and accomplishing the stuff that he wants to get done in his church. Do, do, do we look at politics and behold Jesus and how big he is in those things? That is like, that's the good news, right? That we get to let all of the strife and all that stuff melt away in front of Jesus. And we actually, if we're beholding him, uh, get to let our hearts and our minds be pointed upwards in thanksgiving and praise and longing for him. So, Sweet. Well, if uh, hopefully people continue to tune in. They weren't ticked off and turn us off before this moment. But <laughs> we tried. If so that is, that is good news. Mm -hmm. um, so we've got one more yeah. coming up and then kind of a catch-all yeah. Q and R, Q and Oh, you're giving answers that day, maybe Q and A. I don't <laughs> the know. the answers. I'm giving the answers that day. Not just Q and A, but Q and T A. T A. The answers. Um so yeah, if you've got questions, uh please jot them down in your head mentally. You can shoot them to me or email info at myvillagechurch.com. Uh that's gonna be that last uh Sunday is is the Sunday before the election. We will spend extended time in prayer. Uh yeah, and just open up space for you guys to ask questions and we'll get to kick stuff around. A bit, but this coming week is about uh, will we love the church in November? So we're gonna kind of bring into focus the uh, the divisiveness um, and the disagreements that do exist in uh, in the Christian community in the church, uh, and kind of tease that out and take a look at how God calls us to love each other, um, even though we might land in some different places. So should be good. Sweet. Well, that's all I got. Anything else? No. It's been all right. Enough. We will <laughs> see you next time. See ya.